0: Welcome to The Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered.
1: Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Hello everyone. This is Trent Russell. And this is the audit room on Zoom. I am the co-host and moderator, as well as the uh, founder of Green Skies Analytics. We are the go-to place for all things internal audit and analytics. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Tracy?
2: Yes, I'm Tracy Marquardt, known as Europe's leading audit communication consultant, coming to you these days from Canada from I4 Global Results Limited, of which Quality Assurance Communication is a division, and everyone knows me under Quality Assurance Communication, so this is a new thing coming out of Canada. And I am super excited today because we have Larry Harrington with us, and Larry, we first met at a conference in Florida in August 2019 in the speaker's room, and it it was such an impressive short conversation, and I'm so glad that we could have you here, so welcome.
0: Well, it's my pleasure to be there, and aloha from Honolulu, where I am today. Um, and, you know, I've had the, the honor of being a chief audit executive at five companies over a career, but more importantly, I've also spent time as a VP of finance, VP of operations, uh, and VP of HR. So I've seen business from many different perspectives, and it's really a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I would just like to ask our entire audience to put all their energy and passion today around world peace,
1: because we desperately need world peace today. Excellent.
2: fine. Sure do, thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks a ton for being here. You're always a. Um, it seems like the the few conversations we've had always leave them motivated. It feels like I'm. I know you're both Tony Robbins fans. It feels like I've left like a mini Tony Robbins um, exercise or something. So thank you uh, very much. There's there's things that you have told me that I uh, try to make sure to implement on uh, a daily basis, and, and I won't get into the details of it, but. Um, so I, I appreciate you, uh, being here and the wisdom, uh, if I could say that, that, that I know we're going to get out of this. So, um, I know some of the things that we're going to talk about are, or or one of the, in particular is around a SWOT analysis. And so I think a lot of us are familiar with that in terms of, uh, so S W O T strength, weakness, opportunity threats, when we do it for our organizations or competitors, et cetera. But Larry, I know you take this approach of applying it to ourselves and looking, doing a SWOT analysis for ourselves. And so I wanted to see if you could kind of walk us through that and if there's differences between doing it for ourselves, versus doing student, for an organization, um, and, and maybe even um, the mindset of why we should do that.
0: So before I get to that, Trent, just give me a moment or two. You know, for a long time, it seems like decades, um, organizations have struggled with talent shortages mm-hmm. and attracting the right people. And that's just become exasperated in this post-COVID migration period. But in my 30 years as a chief audit executive, I seldom had difficulty in attracting and retaining talent. And I attribute that to two books I read 30 years ago. The first is called The Customer Comes Second. And I'll explain that in a minute. And the second one is Awaken the Giant from Within by Tony Robbins which really helped me understand the importance of creating a career plan, a strategic plan, a branding plan, a networking plan, and integrating all of those together. And so as a result of that 30 years ago, I decided that my leadership team and I, our number one goal every year, number one goal was to create a brand and a culture centered on team member success, helping them develop personal brands strategic plans, career goals, networking plans, providing them with training and assignments that would help them succeed at their career dreams. And 30 years ago, creating a flexible work environment, long before COVID did that. So team members understood very quickly that they were at the heart of our number one objective. And in the Customer Comes Second, the whole philosophy of that book was, that if you help your employees feel that important, that they're number one, that they will do everything they can to delight the customer every time. Because they will know that delighting the customer is what makes the company successful. Without a successful company, they don't have a job. And so it really centered around what to do and how to do, how to help employees be successful. And in Tony's book, Awaken the Giant, it really helped me and we'll talk about how to actually do some of those things. But over 30 years, I was able to retain 75 to 80% of the folks we hired to either stay within the internal audit function or to move within the organization across different functions. And of the 20 to 25% that we'd we'd lose, two thirds of those moved into a role at a different company that fulfilled their career dreams. And we endorsed that and supported that and helped that. And And a small amount left because we weren't the right organization for them but it was only a small amount. So let me give you some examples. Of the 75 to 80% we retained, they either rose within our own internal audit function or they moved across the company into finance, accounting, IT, HR, operations, even legal, hired some internal auditors to work for them. We became known as the talent pool for the organization. They looked to within internal audit Because our folks not only had the right business skills and leadership and communication, but they were successful people. But it also meant we created the right brand that I wasn't just out in the marketplace competing for talent. I was able to use all of my company to attract their top talent from each of those functions to rotate an internal audit because they wanted to see the entire company, but they wanted to work on their career and their plan and their networking and the skills that we learned that we could teach them while they learned the audit skills. But I still remember working with one of our team members who wanted to become a nurse, helping her with references and other support to become a nurse. Not only did she become a great nurse, she became director of nursing at her hospital and today is the senior vice president in the healthcare industry. And help many people move into supply chain, one of which just recently became senior VP of supply chain in our organization. Another one is the VP and many others hold various positions across that. I can count more than a dozen chief audit executives today that started in my organiz- our organizations, and even more than that, that are in other roles in internal audit leadership areas. So when we help people even leave the organization, they would come back to us for advice and counsel and they would send us references for talent that they knew would succeed in our organization. And so they helped us with recruiting as well. You see, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. At four of the companies where I was the chief audit executive, I was hired because 100% of the previous two years turnover all left the company. They weren't just not doing great audit work, but they weren't developing people. And in less than a year or about a year in each of those organizations, we turn that around to get to that 75 to 80% staying within the organization. But it's also important for employers, managers, leaders to understand that you need to have your own critical success factors, understand the kind of person that that will excel in your organization. Not everybody will excel. I say to myself, I selected companies where I knew they would support the things that were important to me. But I could have joined companies where I wouldn't have been as successful because I wouldn't have fit that culture. So it's so important as a leader to understand the culture and the critical success factors of people that succeed in that culture. And for employees, too often they spend their time trying to get the job, not spending enough time understanding the culture and challenging the culture Is it the right company? Is it the right leadership? Will they give you the opportunities to succeed? Because if either the employer or the employee fails to understand those things, then you end up having lots of turnover. The bottom line is this philosophy always made it easier for me to attract and develop the right team members who, by the way, did outstanding audit work. We didn't just hire people who weren't great auditors. We hired people who did such great value add to the operation that they were constantly recruited, as I say, across every one of the functions. And so it really starts with a career plan. So you start with your SWOT. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Where's your passion? Where's your energy? What is it that you're doing that an eight hour day flies by in five minutes? Mm -hmm. What are you doing that an eight hour day or a five minute Day seems to be like eight hours. You need to feel where your passion is. Are you interested in detail or the big picture? Do you like doing different things every day or do you like the routine? You need to really analyze within yourself your strengths and your weaknesses. You need to understand where your passion and energy is. And it's so important. You know, Tony Robbins once talked about, we spend more time thinking about vacation and buying a car or a house than we do about our career. And so, career planning is so important, and I try to help people understand as part of this strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and it's all integrated. That the career plan, the branding plan, the the um, networking plan, because you need to understand. You know, some people will say to me, "Well, I'm th- I'd like to maybe move into finance." Well, why? Well, when you start to understand what is it that really interests you about finance or accounting, you might find out that there are positions in other functions that are looking for the same skill. And so instead of being so narrow focused on accounting, you now can think about supply chain because maybe in supply chain going through a transformation, they're looking for someone with your analytical skills. They're looking with someone who can help them identify how to take costs out of a system, costs out of the process. They're looking at someone who can help vendors be more successful. And so by helping people really think about your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and threats, You start to focus into what's a career plan. And I try to help people, as I say, thinking about maybe nursing is for you. And let's talk about how the skills that we've helped you develop would make you a great nurse. Let's look at those skills in those, those positions in supply chain or HR or operations or even legal. And why, if we can help you develop the right attributes that all of a sudden, instead of just one function, there may be five functions that are open to you, and it ties into the personal brand. Every one of us has a personal brand, whether we know it or not. As soon as someone looks at me, they're already their internal bias is already trying to decide. They're sizing me up, and so does your brand. Do you know? Do people see you as passionate, energetic, bright, articulate, good communicator? Do they see you? How? These are the things that we need to consciously think about. We need to identify what are those attributes we want people to think about us. When they think of Trent or Tracy, what do they think? What are the first four things they think about? And are they the things you want them to think about? And so when we start to proactively manage our brand, we start to proactively manage our career, we can then start to think about networking and how networking can help us make sure that more and more people see us for who we are, see us for the innate value, our communication skills, our analytical skills, our ability to influence others, our passion, our energy. And you know, so many of us are introverts and it's hard to do a lot of this. But I got inspiration 30 years ago from Tony Robbins, who helped me, I'll tell you a quick story. I ran for the board of selectmen in a small town 25, 30 years ago. And to campaign used to stand in front of the post office on a Saturday morning and meet people. And I didn't wanna do that. And I talked to my brother, who's an actor, and he said to me, think of it as a part. How would you expect someone to act? And it helped me think about from a networking standpoint, how could I get over my fear of networking? How could I get over my fear of meeting people I don't know? And you see, when you start to do this kind of stuff, you realize the importance of investing in yourself, the importance of reading business books today. And I tell people all the time, you don't have to be the only one reading business books. If you're in a department of five and everybody read two business books a year, like The Customer Comes Second or Awaken the Giant or so many others, you can write a book report. People laugh sometimes, but Hmm. we need to practice our written communication skills today write a book report and share it. Within the organizations I worked at, I had as many as 50 people and as few as 15. We would all read and write book reports and put them out on the website and share them across the organization because everybody says they're too busy to read books, but they're not too busy to read a five-page summary of the most key elements. And when I talked earlier about the importance of investing, I remember sending one of the person who's now senior VP in supply chain, I remember sending her to a supply chain conference in San Francisco. A thousand supply chain experts, one internal auditor, But she was an extrovert and she used that meeting to understand who was putting in the systems that our company was thinking about putting in in supply chain. And she came back with thoughts and ideas and she came back with here's who did it and the lessons they learned Here's who did it very successfully. Here's who did it not so successfully. And she brought together a network and she put people together and she eventually moved into supply chain and she's now senior vice president. How many internal audit VPs or CAEs would send someone to a supply chain program? You know, that's what I mean about having the dedication, the commitment and the funding. She became an expert in supply chain, helped us do audit work, but then eventually moved into supply chain. So when we make investments in our folks, when we have people that make investments themselves, then what happens is this self-fulfilling prophecy. We attract, we retain talent, we move it across the company and ultimately each of our individuals that we hire become like a business. And so they understand their strengths, their weaknesses, their opportunities, their threats, and they're constantly working on those opportunities and those threats to maximize the opportunities and to minimize the threats. And when you do all of that, it makes recruiting and retention so much easier. And I'll tell you as a chief audit executive, it makes your job so fun Mm -hmm. because you're helping people succeed, but not only are they succeeding, they're helping our customers succeed because they're bringing that same passion and energy to the audits that they do. And they're bringing skills with analytics and all sorts of areas. Raytheon, where I recently retired a few years ago, we were involved in all the key projects, including AI, including because they saw the talent of our folks. They saw the energy and the passion and the willingness to learn something
1: new. And
0: at the end of the day, people don't leave companies, they leave people.
1: I think that's so, a, uh, a, a exhibit A of the uh, I, I talked about being motivated after talking to you every time. I, was, that, I think that's exhibit A right there. If nobody believed me after they listened to that, they got, OK, yeah, I think I get what 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 Trent was talking about. And I think the the overarching um, conversation that we're having today is around developing people or developing ourselves. And so I know one of the, the techniques and I always like to hit on if there's a specific technique. So it's not just kind of theory. It's, hey, I can go do this thing that's practical in order, to, in order to do that. And so one of those that I know that you like to do is talk about writing a resume, writing your resume that's for three years down the road. And as somebody who hates updating their resume, um, that, that it's something I would probably struggle with. So I wanted to, could you walk us through that, the importance of it, uh, how we might go about that and what the overall objective in doing that um, kind of engagement is?
0: It's a great example because when you do your career plan, you know, so many people over the years would say to me, I want to be X or Y. And they'd work for two or three years, they'd get X or Y, and they'd realize, I don't like this job. Mm-hmm. Say, "Hmm." So part of what, what, what I tell them is, is, if you think that that's the job you want, let's just say it's supply chain or it's the controller's position, whatever it might be, write the resume today that you will need to get that job. You know, what are the skills? What are the attributes? What's the experience you're going to need to get that job? Then look at your current resume, so to speak. Where are the gaps? Mm -hmm. It allows you to start to think about where are those gaps and how do I fill those gaps? How do I fill them with experience? How do they fill them with learning or training? Um, And and I, I tell people, so let's say, for instance, that one of those positions you're looking at requires good project management skill. Well, not only can you get project management skill within our organization, But maybe by volunteering at the YMCA, they're putting in a new computer system. And by your volunteering, your expertise, you can help them put in a major system. And now you've filled a gap on your resume to show how you develop that system and put it in. Are you a part of that process? But what it also does, in order to write the resume for the job you want in three years, you've got to spend some time with people that have that job, Mm -hmm. asking them, What makes you successful? What what people you've seen succeed, what were their attributes? People who you saw fail in this job, what made them fail? You do the analysis and what you start to find out as you do this due diligence is that sometimes you realize that's not the job that I really want, or I don't have the skill sets or I don't have the passion to do that. But another example, by writing the resume today for three years from now, again, let's just say it's something in, in supply chain. Then go to the supply chain folks and ask them what do they read? What are the magazines? Could I have your used magazines? What can you do to learn more and more about that role so that when you're interviewing in a couple of years, you're able to talk about the things that are leading practices in that industry? You can talk about maybe activities you've had that would show how you could add value to that position. You see. It's not as much about writing the resume for three years from now. It's doing the due diligence and the work around what is that position? What are the critical success factors? The people that have failed, what did they, why did they fail? It's looking at what are the attributes that you're going to need? And then sitting back saying, where do I have gaps and how do I close those gaps? And as a chief audit executive, if I'm working with Trent or Tracy, I can then help you with assignments or training or other coaching or mentoring to help you
2: fill those gaps. I think that's super important, Larry. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but I think there's so many points that you've touched on that are super um, important in terms of, I mean, coming from, you know, the training background that I have, it's identifying what, what are the gaps that the client has and where do they want to be? And then filling those in with training. And I think it's the same sort of concept for yourself when you're looking at where you want to be in three years, is where where do I want to be? Where am I now? What are the gaps? And the ideas that you have to fill those gaps are are brilliant. And it re- does remind me of of Tony, because Tony you know says to model behavior, right? So you find people that are successful, and you can model that behavior uh, because success leads clues, right? Well, I'll give you another
0: example. In one of my larger organizations, I had four people I was struggling with. They were good people, but they weren't succeeding within the organization. So I hired an external coach to come in and work with those four folks and our leadership team to try to understand why they weren't successful. What did we as leaders need to do differently? What did they need to do differently? Three out of those four turned their performance around and did a phenomenal job. The fourth one made the decision we weren't the right organization for them and they went off, became successful someplace else. But that's it's what I mean about making yes, and that's what I mean about making the investment, being willing to find people that can help coach. In some cases, we weren't doing enough to motivate, to encourage, to make them feel valued. Sometimes it's the word we use or the phrase we use that devalues someone, and we don't realize that. The coach okay. helped us as leaders understand what behaviors we needed to change, and it helped the individuals determine what behaviors they needed to change. And it's so much about helping inspire. Tony talks about inspiration. How do we inspire people when people are inspired? They do such amazing work. They add such great value. And, you know, when you sit down and you say to someone I'm interviewing Tracy for a job and she says, okay, so how did this opening come up? Well, the person left the company. Well, um, in the last two years, how many folks have been promoted within and how many have left the company? Well, 100% have left the company. What is that gonna tell Tracy right away? I'm not, either she's gonna say, I'm just better than everybody and it won't make a difference. Or she says, maybe this isn't the right organization for me. But if I tell her a story that eight out of the last 10 are either in investor relations or finance or accounting or IT, et cetera, then she's gonna say, wow, this is a dynamic organization. And so it's about inspiration. And inspiration takes a lot of perspiration, a lot of hard work, and it takes us understanding those success factors. And, you know, most of us go, as Tony says, we spend a lot of time thinking about buying a house or taking a vacation or whatever. We don't spend enough time and colleges don't help us think through how do we manage our career? And so most of my time as a chief audit executive was all about helping Career management, helping people identify how to fill what are their dreams and how to fulfill those dreams. And sometimes it meant leaving the company. But as I said, they would help find me great people. And we always kept in touch. And I was, my success is their success. The woman who's the vice president in healthcare sent me a note a few months ago as she was interviewing for this vice president's job. And one of the things she said to me, Tracy, in the note, she said, Before we have our call on Tuesday, I wanted to send you something. And in the email, I used to, I still do, send a lot of handwritten notes. And I send handwritten notes on what used to be called successory cards. They were motivational cards. And I would write notes to people when they did great things or when they did good things or when I thought they needed a little pickup. In her email were three handwritten notes that I sent her 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, I've kept these, Larry, every day. And when I get really down, I read these notes and they bring me back up. I've shown them to my children. And I followed this example my entire career because you inspired me and I've tried to inspire others. And And that's what it's
2: about. That's what it's about. I mean, the tagline for my business is impact, influence, inspire. And I am inspired by those I listen to, those I read, those I speak to. And I'd like to, through the work that I do, inspire others to try something new with their communication, to try a new technique, a new strategy, um, to find out that it does work and then inspire others. So it's like a ripple effect of inspiration. So I I really fully support that philosophy.
0: So one of the things that's hard for folks at times is to take constructive criticism. Mm. And I'm sure that in your life, you've coached many, many people and you've had to give them some real hard facts and data and examples. And, you know, too often as leaders, we want to avoid those tough conversations. I'm not afraid to say this. If I love you, if I want you to succeed, then I'm cheating you and me if I don't give you that honest feedback. <clears throat> now, I will practice in advance to make sure what words I'm using of the right words. I'll write it out because what I don't know is a certain word is a hot button for you. And I didn't mean it that way, but it was. So again, one of the things that I'm sure you spend a lot of time on is this executive presence. And it's being able, do you come across with a smile? Do you come across with energy and with passion? What do you come across like people are afraid to kind of give you input and give you feedback? <clears throat> And it's so important emotional intelligence today, mm-hmm. understanding what it is and how to use it to your strength. And so, again, when I get back to how do you retain great people, there were several times in my career where I said to the audit committee and management, I'm going to take my headcount down by one person because I need that money for additional training
2: because mm-hmm. I
0: didn't have enough money for training. <clears throat> and they would say, you'd rather have training than people. I'd rather be able to invest in the learning, mm-hmm. to have the one less person, but have the rest of the team so energized, so excited, and so skilled to be able to make a difference. And when people know that that's that you you love them, you care about them, you want them to be successful, you're willing to send them to the supply chain learning. And and to this day, I, I you know I, I remember her coming back saying, people looked at me like. Why are you here? (laughs) I'm here to learn as much about supply chain and bring it back to my company as possible. And she's a senior VP today. She had the right attributes. And so, again, it gets back to not everybody will be successful in every company. So as a leader and as a potential employee, understand what the critical success factors are in that organization. Do they fit you? Do they fit your culture? Do they stand for the things that you stand for? If they don't, don't go to work there. Don't waste a year there or six months or two years there. Find There's so many great organizations out there today. Go out and find the organization that matches your personality, your passion, your energy, and is going to help you be successful
2: because they know your success will become their success. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, Awaken the leader within yourself. That's exactly what we all need to do and to help others do as well. Trent? And everybody... Sure.
0: Is a leader whether or not you have the title or not that's why i tell people tracy you know get involved with the ia build your resume by being a vice president or an officer of one of the chapters be a speaker you know how many times recruiters and or people looking to hire people go to these ia functions or ISACA functions look who's speaking and they try to recruit them because They listen to them speak, they listen to them talk, or writing articles. You know, there are so many ways to build your brand, to build your presence. I can't tell you how many times I would give a presentation for the IA and have two or three people come up afterwards and hand me their resume and say, I want to work for your organization.
2: Absolutely.
0: There are so many ways. And as an individual, understanding the power of networking, you know, networking isn't just calling Tracy when you need a favor. It's talking to Tracy on a regular basis. And when she needs some help, helping her. And it's it's more about giving than getting. And I'll tell you that so many jobs today are achieved through networking, not through someone recruiting someone. It's important. It's important because I refer my friends to places where I think they'll be successful. I don't refer my enemies and people do that. And so again, when you look at how tough it is to recruit, how tough it is to retain, it really isn't if you just change the philosophy and think about it differently. Rosenbluth Travel, when he wrote the book, Customers Come Second. I remember one of the stories, he said when that person's leaving her office or his office at five o'clock and their phone rings and it's a traveler who's stuck in San Francisco, whose flight just got canceled and is trying to book another flight. Does that person turn around and pick up the phone or does that person leave? And he wants a culture where the person will stop and pick up the phone and help that customer. But okay. that won't happen unless that person feels so valued within the company that she or he will take that extra step.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I've I've experienced some extraordinary customer service lately um flying and uh it it was it was not the normal, I would say. Someone went above and beyond to help us get where we needed to go uh when we missed flights because customs was so far backed up getting into the US. So, um so that kind of Uh, mindset I think in someone on your team is invaluable you want to keep them and you want to keep encouraging them and supporting them on their journey absolutely and
0: you know what you know what you want to do you want to take the time to write a letter to that individual that company that organization and talk about how wonderful that person was you see people never take the time to write a nice note they always find the time to write an angry note, to write a customer complaint. I remember one of the early trainings from Marriott, where it's eleven o'clock at the airport, the luggage is lost, the person's at the at the counter, and he's just yelling and screaming and ranting and raving. And the woman looks at him and says, "Larry, Jane, Betty, Bob, sir, madam, there are only two people in this world worried about your lost luggage." And one of them's losing interest right now with your yelling. And it really drives home the point that when we sometimes lose sight of the other person, that person was trying to help them find their luggage, but they were so angry they were taking out on them. So what I try to do is I suggest to people within your company, when someone gets a promotion, write them a note. Introduce yourself. When someone does something well, celebrate that success. I remember one time at, at, when I was the chief audit executive at Etna, we used to do an employee of the month in internal audit, bring everybody together, and we'd recognize someone for whatever they did. I remember I had one of the nurses working for me in internal audit. People had said, to, I remember the recruiter saying, Larry, why would you hire a nurse? Because we're a healthcare company. I want nurses because they understand the business. I can teach them the audit stuff. One patient, of the nurses, yes, she, asked, she had done such a phenomenal job that month. We recognized her. She came into my office afterwards. And she had tears coming down her eyes. She said, Larry, I'm 46 years old. No one has ever celebrated anything I've ever done. Yeah. Can you imagine that? And so it's amazing. As leaders today, we need to, and, and everybody's a leader, no matter what your position is, you have an opportunity to shine on someone else. You have an opportunity to lift someone else up when they're feeling down. And you have an opportunity to demonstrate the kinds of, gratitude and appreciation and to inspire others. And so every one of us have that capability. And and that's why reading business books today are so important because they give you those thoughts, those ideas. And sometimes, you know, we get in a little rut. We forget about a few things. It's like working out your muscles atrophy very quickly when you stop working out. Well, when you stop reading business books, your mind can atrophy too. And so it's so important. And, And what I've always in speaker rooms, try to talk to people like yourself because Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. learn from them, I can be inspired by them. Um, I can sit in their sessions and I can learn from them. There's several people who I've introduced just in the last year in sessions they're doing. And I can truly say that they're one of the top speakers in the world because I've heard them speak several times. and And I share what I've learned from them and what the audience will learn from them. And the more that you give of others, the more you get in return. And so if you're a leader, I want you to take the message about the importance of making people number one and if you're not quite in a leadership position today aspire for that leadership position and do the kinds of things that help you figure out what is it you want to do where's your passion where's your energy what kind of careers and create the networking plan and the career plan and the personal branding plan that will help you fulfill those dreams it won't happen on its own Too many of us just expect it to happen because we're a good auditor or we have good skills. There's so many attributes that are important other than just the hard skill.
2: Absolutely. As as a communication uh, trainer consultant for the audit industry, I absolutely support that totally and that emotional intelligence. Listen, we've got to wrap it up, Larry. I got one more question for you. Where's your book?
0: Well, that's a great question. It's something I've thought about for some time now, and I would love to write a book on this whole topic about how employers can be different and how employees can be different and how we can create a greater organization. So I'm going to commit to working, to finding someone who can help me actually do that.
2: Wonderful. Well, reach out if you need. I've got someone who does um, help folks write books in my back pocket Um, but I'm always happy to support you and we really appreciate you coming on today and sharing your wisdom. As Trent said, I know we could go on for much, much longer. Um, but we do have our time limits. So thank you again.
0: Thank you for all that you do for our profession. You are a beacon. You are a light. You are someone who helps other people be more successful. And I'm sure they give you the passion and energy to allow you to help others. So thank you for what you do. And certainly thanks to Trent for all that he does to help our profession be better at what we do.
2: Absolutely. And thank you for for saying that. And um, just to let you know, so Trent had to jump off. I'm Tracy Marquardt, co-host of The Audit Room with Trent Russell. And Trent will post um, a link to this. At some point and if there's anything we want in the show notes we can just add that for him there if there's anything you want to refer them to for you but um for those of you watching i highly recommend that if you haven't connected with larry on linkedin that you do so and uh you'll see his words of wisdom on a regular basis so thank you very much larry and we'll see you soon
0: aloha bye bye